0: just so proud of this team man we have so many guys that just fought and bought into what coach rich gave us coach marinelli coach bradley Ole, everybody you know they they stuck with us and we stuck with them and we just came up a little bit short you know i just know we'll be back we'll be back we'll have another opportunity And that's what you know it's gonna push me next offseason it's cofield and company on the road
1: busy night in the world of sports in Vegas, Fortress, Golden Knights against the Penguins. UNLV running Rebels on the road. I'm courtside here in San Diego. Willie Ramirez is over at the Fortress back in our Finley Toyota Studios. Is Ari, Big Five time.
0: Battle Born Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Four, number five.
1: Max Crosby coming in. I do believe, Max, that they can be back if they make the right choice at GM and head coach and change up some personnel. We'll get to that later in the Big Five. I'm not so sure that in Pittsburgh, unless they are able to pull a quarterback out of the rabbit's hat or a rabbit out of the quarterback's hat or something out of the hat, get my point, uh, they got to have a magical offseason, Willie, to replace Big Ben or this streak that Mike Tomlin has had not having a losing season, that comes to an end. Last night was freaking rough, and you kind of wonder if it was all worth it to bring Big Ben back to go into the playoffs, lose as a seven, and get destroyed by the Chiefs to the point where the Chiefs were playing like playground football and kind of rubbing it in the faces of the Steelers with a, a thick six and a tight end touchdown throw.
2: I don't I don't know. I don't know if if, if there was a if there was some built-in, you know, I mean they just they just beat him down for what in week 16. So I mean Well, my
1: point is, don't you have to pull off the scab when you know you have to make the change of quarterback? Don't you have to be bold and make the change of quarterback and you might have to take it, you know, get kicked in the teeth for a season? Like what what did this year really accomplish aside from you know, TJ Watt getting a year older and you weren't really weren't super competitive? I don't playoffs. think it's I, okay. I just I wonder what their quarterback plan is going to be. And if I were a Steeler fan, um, I certainly you like we we talked to Brooke Pryor from ESPN who covers the Steelers, and she said, "Hey, money wise, uh, resource wise, they don't have what they need to go out and make a run at a big quarterback." Seriously, then why is Mike Tomlin around for a three-year rebuild with you know the Mason Rudolphs of the world and Tyrod Taylor's, Dwayne Haskins playing quarterback? I and mean, what do they they have to do something aggressive this offseason, And if it's not trading lots of ones to get. Russell Wilson or make a, a real run at a Rodge, then go to the next group and, you know, call the Raiders and try to get Derek Carr. If Carr's not going to be signed long-term by the Raiders, if you're the Steelers, you better start calling around and try to get at least a top 15 quarterback in there because uh, trying to piece it together with some of these other guys, that ain't Steeler football.
2: Well, to answer your question as to you know, why, why, just pull, why not just pull up the scab and just, you know, as far as this season, I don't think it's in Mike Tomlin's genetic code to just coast or tank. Maybe not on purpose, but just run run its course and whatever. I just don't – it has nothing to do with pride and keep a streak going of winning records and winning seasons. I, he's just not going to – you know, you're not going to tell him to just coast. It's just not going to happen. It's not It's not how he coaches. Now, as far as the offseason, and I know what Brooks said, but they can – I mean, every team can find the funds. They can find the way. And if the way to, you know – to continue to play Steeler football is to do some roster shuffling and do what you have to do, then yeah, you got to make a run at somebody, somebody that's available. Whether that somebody is someone like Derek Carr, and then you depend on your defense and somewhat have a, a, a mediocre quarterback, or I mean, but you know, is Derek Carr mediocre? I mean, he's got 30 game winning drives to his credit, he's got fumbleitis. I don't know if he can play in cold weather. Um, it's just, or I don't, and I don't know if he can play in the AFC North. You know, I mean, oh, that's, I a, that's, that's a that's a that's a that's a rugged physical uh, division, and you know, he he his his pocket presence is to me is is not exactly the best. Neither here nor there. Um, I I I I will be intrigued to see how the Steelers handle this offseason to in terms of ushering in a new era. I mean, obviously Rudolph's not going to be the guy. But um, they, they have to make some decisions. They have to make some decisions quickly. And this is an organization that is used to succeeding. And so, I, I mean, it'll be uh, – I, I don't know where they're going to go from here, and I'm, I, but I do look forward to seeing how they handle the vacancy under center.
1: Number four. Yeah, Mike McCarthy's getting beat up. Pretty good here, and I'm starting to think maybe it's not just because he's completely incompetent, which I guess I'm not really backing him by saying that. But is his slovenly look? Remember, Skip Bayless attacked him. Is that one of the reasons here? Because this was a this was a rough weekend for the Zavtig. I mean, I saw the the headline: announcers fired after mocking weight of female high school basketball players. I mean, how, how mean are we as a society, Willie? Uh, you know, I, I was. I'll tell you what. I walked into the San Jose State Arena earlier. And I was shooting around a little bit and someone came over and they're like, you're like a ballerina. I would never know how graceful you are, sir, based on your appearance. I don't like all this mocking at all. Did you drop him? No, it was actually a compliment. Oh, okay. the person came up. Well, they were they weren't being sarcastic. They really meant it.
2: Oh, you just well, you followed by saying I don't like all this mocking. So I thought you. Were no, saying, I don't like all the mocking, mocking on these you. young ladies playing basketball. No, no you know no.
1: Mike. You know Mike McCarthy, as Skip Bayless said, he would never hire him because he's too fat, too sloppy. Let's stop this. But I, but I I actually I I do think. Listen, I want to I want to crush McCarthy as well, but some of it has to go to Kellen Moore, and a lot of it has to go to Dak. Um, the thing that bothers me most about McCarthy and Koken just brought it up about 10 minutes ago is the lack of leadership. That would really annoy me if I were Jerry Jones. Listen, I'll keep you around, but when you make mistakes, yep. you got to take ownership of the mistakes. And that wasn't just the official having to run 25 yards. That is across the board a lack of knowledge of you guys. You know, you need to know time and place, and then you got to give the ball to the freaking official. And the other one is that uh, – I mean – in a game where it comes down to seconds, Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore and, and Fossil really thought that they were going to outsmart the 49ers after the fake punt. Like, you already got the fake punt to waste another 45 seconds trying to trick them into a timeout? That's That, that to me, is inexcusable.
2: Well, is it, was the writing on the wall at my, uh, during Mike McCarthy's introductory press conference that he cuts corners? During his introductory press conference, Ed Werder asked him um, – he, because he had said that he had heard that he sat down and he watched every single play from the previous season and studied this team, so he knew it. And Mike goes, well, I have to confess, I didn't. I just really wanted the job, so I told Jerry that. I mean, right then and there. Let me let me tell you this, Steve. When, uh, when you asked me to become a part of the company, I had to fill out all these forms. It was like filling out a form to apply for a gaming license, I felt like. But, I mean, if I lied on my application to work for Lotus just to get the job, and then say, well, I really didn't. I lied. Isn't that a fireable offense? I guess it's not in the NFL. But well, the writing it- is on the wall they are cutting corners to get what you want. I mean, here's a guy that's not going to point the finger at himself.
1: Yep. Well, in the end, what Jerry Jones wants is someone who he thinks is a decent coach but is also going to let him stay around and participate in all the coaching meetings. And if they had a real coach – There's no way they would stand for that. And like you just said, McCarthy was so desperate that he was willing to fib about what he did with his time off. So it's a mess in Dallas right now. I'm not sure where they go. And, you know, the other point, I I know you sent over a a tweet earlier. Um, Why is Kellen Moore, I mean, they did have the number one offense in the NFL, and that shouldn't all be wiped out by some mismanagement and one poor game. But why is Kellen Moore such a hot prospect when, in the end, the Cowboys really have done nothing when it's counted the most? And he's the guy running the offense.
2: It's, it's it's disheartening when you look at the talent that that offense had and the mismanagement of whether it's play calling or, you know, we sit here and we talk about the Raiders. But you look at the talent, you know, in terms of uh, clock management and play calling with the Raiders I, it was my point. You look at the talent that Dallas had throughout the season. And on that roster and on that in that unit, and the cohesiveness is that, you know, in terms of what that unit's been together, it's a little appalling when they can't get it together, especially on a drive like that.
0: Number three.
1: Willie, a lot of dudes playing in their last year for the Raiders unless they're extended on the list. Carr, Renfro, Jacobs and Crosby, Trayvon Mullen, Johnny Abram, Harriman, Furl, Nassib, Morrow, Kenyon Drake, Denzel Good, Kwiatkowski, Littleton. You want all those guys around for the long term? What do you want to do with some of them?
2: I I think it's easier to look at the list first and say who you want back and you'd like to build around and continue to have back, without a doubt before you just start cutting and saying, I don't want this, I don't want that, I don't want this. If I were to look at that list, I definitely want Hunter Runfro. I definitely want Yannick Ngakwe. I definitely want Max Crosby. I definitely want Denzel Perryman. I definitely want Foster Moreau. I think he stepped up great behind Darren Waller. Um, I like what Kenyon Drake brought while he was healthy. So, I mean, in in terms of...
1: You didn't mention Furl or Carr.
2: No, I sure didn't. No, well, there's a lot of big names. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of big quarterback names that are going to be available after this season. So Possibly. it's kind of. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you were aware of that. So the fact of the matter is, if they're going to get rid of Mayock and if they're going to look for a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who coached a guy named Colin Kaepernick and sort of devises maybe a different scheme than we've seen from this team, I'm not sure. If Carr fits within that. And I'm not sure. Maybe Carr has a... You know what? Maybe Derek Carr deserves better than what he's been strapped with. Maybe it's not that Derek Carr... Maybe it's not Derek Carr hindering the Raiders. Maybe the Raiders are hindering Derek Carr. Maybe there's more out there for Derek Carr to perform with a different system and a different OC. I mean, to answer my question, Ole did a great job and he loves him, but... Ole may not be around. This whole staff may not be around. If I had it my way, I know who would stay. But, you know, if you're bringing in a new GM and then you're bringing in a new head coach, you're probably going to see that head coach want his people in there, and that includes a quarterback.
1: Derek Carr to the Steelers for this year's one and next year's one. Then take those ones and this year's Raiders one to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. Mm, Maybe. At least have the discussion.
2: What do you do with Marcus Mariota?
1: Well, if you want to make him the starting quarterback, I guess he can be a bridge guy.
2: Could you could you could you send Derek Carr to the Steelers and include in the deal Mason Rudolph, who becomes the backup to Marcus oh Mariota?
1: I'd worry Oof. about the character on that front. Oof! No more low character, guys. All right, top two.
0: Number two. We
1: just laughed this off with uh, Denzel Perryman. He was real mad after the game he was on mad Sunday. He said, uh, all those people that like to tweet me and tell them I'm garbage in pass coverage, maybe in my offseason they can come teach me how to cover receivers and tight ends. Um, listen, social media is a nightmare. Players should stay off of social media. But on the flip side of it, eh, if, if you're a leader for a franchise, you don't need to punch down. And on top of that, because of the Golden Knights, you have a very vocal – Sports audience here in Las Vegas, and we expect winners at the highest level. If you can't handle that, then I'm not sure what you're supposed to do.
2: Well, because of the Golden Knights, we see that he can really crank the siren. I mean, he was really good at that the week yes. that he was out.
1: I like Denzel Paramount. I hope they bring him back. I think I he's a great assume that was just some frustration yeah. speaking, but uh, I would advise, uh, and it starts with Derek Carr, but almost everyone in sports who actually plays, don't punch down and even address jabronis on social media.
2: Most definitely. I mean – Putting it out there, just it just invites more. Um, you have to learn when to ignore and when to let it go. Fact of the matter is, he was beaten in, in, in pass coverage You know, in several games. We pointed it out in the press box plenty of times. Um, but it doesn't take away from his skill set. He's not a pass coverage guy. He's a ferocious linebacker who makes things happen in the box and uh, helps that pass rush and helps that defensive front and wreaks havoc on quarterbacks. When he's stuck in having having to pick up coverage, different story. But neither here nor there, it doesn't take away from the skill set and the talent that he brings to that unit. And um, I think that he became a key component in Gus Bradley's uh, rebuild of that defense, along with K.J. Wright, along with Casey Hayward, guys that have played for him. And I uh, I think that he definitely should stick around. They should keep him to help continue to be a foundation for what was one of the promising units on this team.
0: Number one.
1: So we had planned on talking about, of the biggest names on the team, who goes bye-bye, and we're talking on the sideline and on the field, Derek Carr. This will be something we address a lot, especially – after we know who's in place as the GM and the head coach, what do you feel like right now the odds are on Basaccia getting this job? Lots of player support after the game for Rich Basaccia.
2: I think it's 50-50. I'm 50-50? Still get, yeah, I don't think the odds. Wow. Are, I don't think it's, yeah. Offshore, think it's
1: a, offshore number on Rich Basaccia. I don't care. Second choice doing. behind Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh 2-1. to one. Richie B plus two fifty. After that, Doug Peterson five to one. Mike Tomlin seven. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm all Why not, for Why not? Right? Make, I would make, love make, that. make the Steelers. Make the Steelers bump Tomlin at to like twenty mil a year. Let's go. Make them pay. Dabo Sweeney eight to one. Byron Leftwich ten. David Shaw ten. Oh, Eric the Enemy ten to one. Sean Payton. Wouldn't that be interesting? Ten to one.
2: Mike McCarthy's not on the list, huh? Didn't make this
1: one. No, not available. Not available. And Kelly the Jones Moore. boys already said, "Yeah, uh, you know, they don't see him going anywhere." Although I can see that changing in a Joe Judge like fashion in the next couple of days.
2: Mario Cristobal, no, he's not. All no. these oh, sneaky guys. So, no, Pisaccia, I, I, I chances chances, you think fifty-fifty? Here's here's the thing. It's it's fifty-fifty, and and here this is this I. You know what, Steve? I don't know how much this plays into things, and I don't know who makes this call, but for the for putting their necks on the line like they did, especially Derek Carr, in calling for, basically calling for Rich Pisaccia to keep this job and remove the interim tag. How does a coach come in and sort of get the locker room back that is clearly wanting Rich Pisaccia, the nice guy? Right? They all believe in him. And here's the thing. If he was the guy... And Mark Davis believed in him. Wouldn't the interim tag have been removed?
1: You yes. don't. Ha- we talked about it last week that if he had a real shot, already after, been done. Ma- after making the playoffs, the tag would have been gone.
2: Yeah, why waste a bunch of people's time? You know, they got to go through the Rooney Rule. They got to go through all that. Why go through all that if you're going to remove the interim tag? Just do it before you have to put yourself in that process and open the job up. So... I don't know if, you know, I don't know, but now you have an entire locker room. Max Crosby went on the line for him, talked about him. Derek Carr, people putting their, you know, putting their endorsements out there publicly in press conference. Um, you know, I, I mean, they'll, they'll obviously, these are professional athletes. They've dealt with change. They've certainly dealt with adversity this year. So they're used to it, but... Now someone's got to come in, and, and you—that's why I think it's got to be a big-name coach, with a big personality, someone who can warm up to Las Vegas, someone who can come in, attract this crowd or the Raider Nation, and just sort of just overwhelm things with his persona, his being, his name, his presence. You got to win that locker room after what Passacia did. We asked this question last week: Would this team, if nothing would have taken place? Would this team have made the playoffs under John Gruden? I am not so sure. So here's uh, Rich Passaccia today, opening
1: statement, kind of throwing out his, what could be his final shot, showing that he's very appreciative of what his guys did for him.
3: I'd like to thank certainly our players for their constant and consistent work and relentless effort to improve every day. That's all we really asked of them. They succeeded in that. Also I'd like to thank the coaching staff for never blinking and for always putting the man first and then coaching the player second. Um, Also, I'd love to give a shout-out to Raider Nation uh, for their loud and never-ending support for our team. They heard you, and uh, they just they heard you, and you need to understand that. Um, To have fans in Legion Stadium for the first time this season was an incredible experience, and in the future, I think this team will take great pride in playing at home and making an advantage to them. To play the Chargers with a blackout crowd was energizing for our players in that game, and I think it showed, again, all the way to the end. Um, I'd like to finish by um, also thanking Mark Davis, uh, Mike Mayock, and the entire Raider organization for their on-time support throughout the entire season. It was much appreciated. No one ever wavered. Uh, I believe it's a privilege um, to coach and play for the Las Vegas Raiders and in the National Football League.
0: It's the Big Five at Four. Brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. 570-900. The Holmes
2: becomes a decoy. Kelsey's going to throw a touchdown. Kelsey to Pringle.
0: It's Cofield and Company on the road.
1: Chiefs had a good time Yesterday. Going deep into the playbook, jerking around, rubbing it in the face of the Steelers. Steelers out, Cowboys out, Cowboys a lot better team. I'm not sure they should be out, losing to a a Jimmy G-led Niners team. Willie's here, it's Cofield, Shereen Williams. It's nice enough to join us, talk a little Cowboys, talk about the playoff weekend that was. Shereen, how are you?
4: I'm good. How are you guys doing today?
1: We're awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. So, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there in general. You can take it where you want. Uh, Give me your thoughts on what happened yesterday in that Cowboys game.
4: Yeah, you know, I was over there and and, uh, not surprised I picked the 49ers to win. Just when you look at how the Cowboys played since that Patriots game uh, in week six, I believe it was, they just weren't the same team and they just struggled to beat teams over 500 Uh, And that's basically what it came down to. Outside the NFC East, they just weren't that good, which tells you how bad the NFC was. Uh, And I think we saw that with what transpired in the postseason uh, with the Eagles getting blown out and the Cowboys, frankly, being far enough down that that it shouldn't have been a game at the end, but but they made it a game uh, with the way they came back. Or maybe Jimmy Garoppolo made it a game, however you want to refer to it, because certainly that interception uh, helped. But they just honestly weren't good enough. To to get it done, and I know there was huge disappointment from Jerry Jones. He thought he had the team uh, that to get it done, and he said after the game that you know he can't remember a time that he's been this disappointed. And and I know there's plenty of times he has, but they did think that they had a Super Bowl contending team. I didn't ever think that. I just thought there were too many holes in this team. They have a lot of things to fix during this off season. I think they probably lose Dane Quinn. I think he probably ends up. Uh, in Denver, and they'll have some hard decisions to make about Mike. I think Mike McCarthy will be back, and Jerry said that last night. Stephen Jones said that today, but serious questions about him and and Callum Moore both.
1: I mean, the end of the game management, and then McCarthy passing on the blame to the officials, I I don't know how you move forward with Mike McCarthy as the head coach.
4: Yeah, I agree with you that that there were just so many things that transpired this season and last season that make you wonder Uh, about how good he is as a head coach. I know he won the Super Bowl, but shoot, he had Aaron Rodgers to win that Super Bowl. But just some of the decisions that he made and having his team prepared or not prepared for games and just the explanation of, of Dak explaining, well, we practice this all the time. We hand the ball to the center who then goes and sets the ball. Well, that's not what anybody teaches. That's not what you do. You go hand the ball to the umpire who spots the ball. You get out of the way, you let the umpire spot the ball, and then you go get over the ball. But to think that that play, you were going to get that off with 14 seconds left and spike the ball and have another play left, I mean, it's just unconscionable. But a a ton of those decisions, you go back to, to so many of their games, particularly the losses, when he just didn't make good decisions. So I thought going into this game that there was a good chance if they got blown out that Jerry Jones would move on from Mike McCarthy. I'm convinced after hearing Jerry in our, in our interview session after the game and hearing Stephen Jones say I'm convinced they're bringing back Mike McCarthy. I don't think that's probably the right decision. But Kellen Moore does nothing to give you uh, any signs that he's going to be a head coach. I mean, he was culpable in everything that happened yesterday with his play call on the quarterback draw. So I don't see anything there if it was me. I would name Dan Quinn my next head coach right now. And, I, you know, you'd have to go through a coaching search. I get all that. Comply with the Rooney rule. But I'm saying he would be my choice to elevate to be the next head coach, uh, move on from Mike McCarthy. And if you lose Callum Moore, you lose Callum Moore.
1: What sort of flexibility do they have in terms of uh, changing the roster? And what are they going to do with Zeke Elliott?
4: Well, Zeke's contract actually became guaranteed in March of this past season for next season, so he he's there for another year. They, they have to have him there for another year. Amari Cooper is a bigger question mark. Uh, what they do with him, do, do they decide to move on from him? His contract is easier to get out from under. They very well may do that. You know, Michael Gallup, who, who had the ACL, Injury is scheduled to become a free agent, but he's not going to be ready to play until late next season, so that may help them get him back, but he's not going to be there for the start of the season. But you're right. They have a lot of free agents. Right now, as it stands today, they are over the salary cap projection uh, for, for the off season, so that's not going to help them. They're going to have to make some moves to get under the cap, and it also uh, doesn't help them in going out and free agents. So, yeah, it's a team with a lot of questions, I think, heading into the offseason.
3: You know,
1: the other really important question, and not to be insensitive, but is there a day where Jerry Jones looks in the mirror and goes, you know what, I just can't be involved day-to-day with this football team anymore?
4: Yeah, I I don't think that day is now. Um, I don't ever see that happening, but oh it's certainly not going to happen this year. I mean, he, he's in charge, and he wants to win another Super Bowl. He's 79 years old, wants another one, and, and frankly, I don't know how his how he has patience after what he saw yesterday and what – He's throwing the losses that they had this season. I, if it was me and I was 79, I just don't think I would have as much patience as he's showing right now.
1: So of all the teams left, if it's not the Packers, who's the best team in the NFC? Ooh,
4: I think the Packers are the best team in the, in the NFC, but it's, it's always hard to rule out uh, Tom Brady. I mean, we've all seen what he's done in his career with, with probably less talent than, than he has on the Tampa Bay team, but... I just think they've had so many injuries i i just don't they may lose this week but i don't see them uh going into green bay and, and winning if it comes down to that in the championship game i just think green bay is the better team
2: big game tonight on tap in the nfc nfc west yeah. uh rivalry rams and cardinals i mean the rams finished the season i believe they won five out of six other than the cardinals win it wasn't necessarily an impressive slate the cardinals Lost more than they than they won, um, but it's it's an it's a very uh, odd rivalry. I believe yes. they, they each won on each other's field. What what? How do you see this one shaking out?
4: Well, it's interesting because when you look at the two quarterbacks, both former number one overall picks, they never won a playoff game. Matthew Stafford zero and three, and really didn't have the teams in Detroit, especially defensively, to get that done. And then, you know, Kyler making his uh, debut in the postseason. So that, to me, is kind of interesting when, when you look at this matchup because one of them's going to walk out of there with their first playoff victory, and there may be some jitters early on. Uh, but, yeah, the Cardinals are coming in ice cold. At one point, we were talking about them as the best team uh, in the NFL. They were the only undefeated team. I just liked what they had. and I'm um, You know, you Deion- lose DeAndre Hopkins, and all of a sudden you're not the best team. And I realize how good he is, but it's not just losing DeAndre Hopkins that they struggle. They lost three in a row, and then they just came in and demolished Dallas uh, the one week, and you thought they turned it around. And, and then they lost again when they had a chance to win the division uh, in Week 18. And, it, and it's kind of a sign of of what Cliff Kingsbury's teams have done always. Uh, they're really good. Games one through seven with Texas Tech with the Cardinals, and then the rest of the season they're not so good. They have a, a big losing record. So I would take the Rams if I was going to – Pick one of these two teams, especially playing at home. I think the Rams are more talented. um, But they've both had their struggles when they've had chances to win and clinch and just just terrible losses. So I don't think you can trust either one of these teams going forward after tonight.
2: Talking to Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk, NFL Shereen on Twitter. So on a local front here, Mike Mayock is out. Just announced about an hour ago that he is out as general manager of the Las Vegas Raiders. Next up is, I guess, the interview process to see, um, you know, who's interested, who's working behind the scenes. Is it Jim Harbaugh? We don't know. Um, Rich Passaccia. Does a fantastic job. You know, inside the confines of the uh, Raiders' practice facility, it turns into a feel-good story. Outside of it, it certainly nothing felt good about what took place with this team. From, you know, from the outside of the state looking in, what you saw this team do and take place, you know, uh, in terms of what took place, um, What I guess your perception of, of, of how it closed out the season and then how you see it moving forward and what you're
4: hearing. Yeah, well, I'm tight with Rich Passaccia, and I've traded texts with him since that loss on on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I I hope he has a shot at the job. I I know they're going to interview him, I think they said today, or he said today. um, And So I think he does get that opportunity at least to have an interview. And I think he's earned that with with what he's done. But I'm a big Rich Passaccia fan, and um, you know, from his five years here here in Dallas. And when you're around one on an almost daily basis and you're talking to players – you get a sense of whether you think they will be a good head coach or not if they get that opportunity. He was always a guy that I thought deserved an opportunity for the way the players responded to him, his leadership. And I think you saw it. If you guys saw, he wrote a letter to every single player on the Raiders uh, and delivered those later, letters in the last couple days to every single player and what they meant to him and what they meant to the team. And that's the kind of guy he is. He's, he's a truly – A special man, a special leader, and and I'm rooting hard for him. I followed the Raiders and rooted hard for them because of my relationship with Rich and and how much I think of him. So I hope he gets an opportunity, a real opportunity for that job. And if not there, I hope he's shown enough that he gets an opportunity somewhere else because his team, I I do think he will be very successful wherever he is. But he's at least earned the right to, to get an opportunity to interview for that job.
2: I think that one of the the benefits for him in the way that, that he sort of took over the reins was that he had no choice but to lean on his coordinators because I believe that is what makes yeah. a successful head coach, is allowing your coordinators yep. to do their job. So in allowing Greg Olson to be the offensive coordinator and allowing Gus Bradley, who did a, a, an incredible job in turning that defense around, I think it benefited him because he had no choice but to lean on them. As far as the quarterback position, you know, every year, um, even before they arrived in Las Vegas, the question was: Is Derek Carr the guy? Are they going to come back with him? You know, now after eight years, there's some big names that are going to be on the market. Um, is yeah. Derek Carr the guy who stays with this franchise, and they just keep trying to build around him? Or uh, I just brought this up before you came on: is maybe. Derek Carr deserves better and deserves it. Maybe he belongs in a different kind of system with a different coordinator and, 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 and maybe he can thrive elsewhere, not saying that he doesn't belong here or deserve to run this ship, but maybe he deserves. And this team needs to go a different direction. Your thoughts.
4: You know, I think when they hire the coach, it's going to tell you a lot about what they think of Derek Carr moving forward. I mean, if it's, if it's, if, if that coach wants Derek Carr, then Derek Carr is going to be there. If that coach doesn't want Derek Carr, either they're not going to hire him or they're going to go with that and get a different quarterback. And I don't know if that even made sense in that. But I think that the coach and the quarterback have to be aligned. They have to be tied together. It will be interesting to me whether Mark Davis talks uh, to Carr and, and gets his thoughts on a coach, or does Mark Davis, and I suspect Mark Davis will just go out and do what Mark Davis wants to do and not huh. consult uh, with the coach that he hires, uh, and then you know worry about the quarterback position later. But those two have to be aligned. Your coach and your quarterback, Just I mean, they're just so tied together. How the quarterback plays uh, really determines how long your coach is going to be employed at a team, and and so They just have to be on the same page. So, to me, that's just so important. And if I'm hiring a coach, I'm talking to my quarterback about what do you want to – you don't let him pick the coach, but what do you want to see in a coach? And then I'm asking, Coach, what do you think about Derek Carr? What would you do at the quarterback position Uh, moving forward? And, of course, it's an important question for the GM, too, but there are a lot of questions about what they do at the quarterback position simply because the GM position is now open. And they're looking for that coach, too. How are those people who are coming in going to feel about Derek Carr moving forward? And maybe that is something they look at. In the offseason. We know it's not a good draft for quarterbacks. If you're going to go get one, it's going to be have to be a veteran. But as we all know, if Russell Wilson comes up, the Raiders likely will be, depending again on who they hire, but the Raiders probably will be a team that he would look at and consider going to.
2: Yeah, And to your point about Mark Davis doing what he wants to do, let's not forget that he just went out and grabbed Becky Hammond because that's who he wanted to lead the Las Vegas Aces regardless of what yeah, Bill right. Edmere did. So he's going to have the same mindset with the Raiders.
1: Shereen, what do you think is the market for Derek Carr if you know teams like the Steelers, the Giants, the Vikings are really in? Could the Raiders yeah. actually get two number ones for Derek Carr?
4: Yeah, I, w- I would think they would. You know, it, it, it's really helpful in that I think Aaron Rodgers ends up going back to Green Bay, so that helps any team that's looking to move on from a quarterback they have. And the other thing is it's such a bad quarterback draft. You know, I took to a couple of scouts last week who said, hey, I would draft none of these quarterbacks in the first round, none of them. Maybe the second round, but none of them in the first round. So that really tells you the type of quarterback draft that it's going to be. So those quarterback-needy teams, there are way more and quarterbacks available so if you're looking to move a Derek Carr there are going to be teams who are going to be interested in him and there will be a bidding war among teams that get left out of those uh other quarterbacks who who are out there so I i yes I think you definitely could get at least two first round drop picks for Derek Carr
1: go check out pro football talk Shereen Williams has stories up there about the uh, Vikings uh GM process uh also, Mike Mayock going bye bye from our Las Vegas Raiders. Shereen, thank you. That was awesome. Really appreciate it.
4: Thank you, guys.
1: Shereen Williams, longtime radio personality writer in the Dallas area, now with ProFootballTalk.com. All right. We'll get back to the story of the day, and that is Mike Mayock being relieved of his duties. So now the slate is clean. And what's Mark Davis going to do? And that was a really interesting question that Shereen threw out there. Uh, does it matter? What Derek Carr thinks in this whole thing is Willie's been building towards, maybe Derek Carr's the one who tells the Raiders, you know, and I want out.
0: The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Yes, it's it's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, mom? I'm glad you made it.
4: Now, yeah, I know. I actually made it at, at a disappointing... <laughs> Tampa game this was an elation to see you get a touchdown in a playoff game I mean oh my gosh how good did that feel after all these years
0: They're glad glad I could put a smile on your face love you yeah, mom you- she's the best man it's Cofield and Company on the road damn did we
1: cut that or did Travis Kelsey just tell his mom to buzz off there at the end she wanted to go on and on. He cuts her off. I don't know about that, Willie. little big uh, in his britches there after throwing a touchdown pass. What's going Ari, on with Travis Kelsey?
2: If Ari ever puts my mother through, I'm cutting both of you off.
1: Wow. All right. Proactive move, Ari. Watch yourself, buddy. Watch yourself. <laughs> Willie, what did you think of what the Chiefs did? Boy, those were some amazing plays, weren't they? Why, why did they use the thick six? And and the Kelsey red zone pass in a game that was way out of reach. Wouldn't you save those? I
2: don't know. I, it's it's. I don't know. I I really don't have an answer for you because it's it's. You know. I don't. Think Mike Tomlin. I don't think that Mike Tomlin and Andy Reid like have beef. I don't think that you do that. I don't think that. You know that they want to. You know, step on Ben Roethlisberger's exit game. I don't know. It's it's very odd. It's very it seemed weird. Seemed weird to me. Yeah, it did. And 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 I'm not sure if it's for their own self confidence to to sort of, you know. I mean, I'm sure that last year's Super Bowl loss still stings to this day. And so you know, it's their first playoff game. So possibly they want to, you know, come in, come in, coming in hot. You know, I don't. I, I'm not sure. I don't know what the mindset is. I don't. I don't think it's personal. I don't think that it was a statement to be made against Mike Tomlin, like I said, um, or the Steelers. I just, I think it's more on their end.
1: If you missed the Raiders news of the day, Mike Mayock, the GM, is gone. I get the feeling that uh, Rich Bisaccia, that announcement could be coming, say Wednesday. Uh, you said earlier you thought his shot at being the head coach was 50-50. I'd like to see him get a real shot, but I think it's like 10-90.
2: Right, when you say the announcement Wednesday that what?
1: That he's that he's done. That I we're moving think, on.
2: Well, I don't think that they I, well You don't think
1: they'll even go through that that, no. that formatic, they'll just no. they'll just announce the next coach. When that happens then yes. we know. Yeah. Don't they but no. don't they if Pasachi is out, right? If no. Pasachi has no. no chance. No. Right? Don't you just move on quickly and tell him and the public, that he's not getting the job so he can go and interview for other jobs? No.
2: Because I think that, okay, the goal for this team was to make the playoffs for the first time since 2016, second time since 2002. They did the goal. Considering what this guy th- got thrown on his lap, I would say that he went above and beyond. The goal to get in the playoffs was with Gruden. This guy took over a team that endured A lot beyond the Gruden emails. So I don't think – all they do, even if they remove the interim tag, they remove interim and head coach, he goes back to being special teams coach. When the coach comes in, he brings people with him or he keeps people. So let's not forget that if the, if if Passaccia is not hired as the head coach, wouldn't he still be the special teams coach until the new coach says, this is what I'm going to do? If they love – if. If these players went to bat for him that strong, now if if they get if he if, if somebody requests permission to to, to to speak to Basaccia for the head coach, then by all means this guy needs to take his shot. But if that's not the case, and this team loves him as much as they do, wouldn't you think that he would go back to being the associate head coach? And 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 if the new head coach decides to keep him, okay. I mean, all right. He never was the permanent head coach.
1: Yeah.
2: He's the interim. He did his job and then some. So, no, I don't think if, that they come on and make an announcement and say, you're fired. If he's cool
1: with that, then I'm cool with that. If he wants to stay around, if he doesn't feel like he's being dissed by having someone else take over the organization, then I'm cool with that. That's, he certainly he deserves that. Uh, interesting story in the athletic today, ranking. You know We've had all these rankings of which head coaching gig in the NFL is the best gig and this one in the athletic actually says that the broncos job is the best now it's based on they talk to like five executives they rank the jobs listen i trust people around the nfl i don't know that i trust the situation in denver because of ownership in flux and they have no quarterback so i'm going to tell you why
2: you want to know why the raiders aren't number one What's yours and mine's biggest beef with people after what took place with you tell Tina me. Tina Tintor and Nate Hobbs? Everybody blaming Las Vegas. So executives are probably saying, I wouldn't want to I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have to lead the coaching search for that. Can you imagine having to, 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 to lead a team in Las Vegas? The trouble? Look at Las Vegas. Right? So I'm a, I would have to assume and I could be wrong that they're bad-mouthing this city, that with what comes with coaching the Raiders comes with coaching in this city. I could be dead wrong, and I hope that I am, but that's why I think that it's probably not number one, and Denver and Minneapolis are ahead of them.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's eye on sports gambling.
3: I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free.
1: All right, Willie, we got one more game. Wild card weekend coming up. Did you make a play on this game? Do you have a pick? I, um,
2: I like the Rams. I like the Rams here. I like the way they close the season. I know that it was the finish was not as impressive as some might say. But I think that the Cardinals are going to deal with some, some shorthanded issues. And um, I actually think that the under could come in here because I believe that the Cardinals' biggest shot is on defense, and so the Car- uh, Rams are going to have to match that physicality. But at home, um, I think ball control and defense is going to be in the Rams' favor here, and I lean toward the Rams.
1: You can hear the game on uh, r 920 AM, Raider Nation Radio 920, kickoff at 515. Number keeps going down. That makes me a little nervous. We've now got three-and-a-halves, and I even see a – well, there was a three, so it's all three-and-a-halves. There was a three juiced a little earlier, but that's nah, – no, still there. Um, yeah, I'm on the Rams on this one.
2: I Wait a minute. Going down, I've been seeing threes and three-and-a-halves all day. I haven't seen any going down. Was it uh, three-and-a-half all week? Yeah, I just have to make mention, though, that that was, a, that was probably the best part of this show was just seeing Lawrence Fan on the screen there. Oh yeah, the, the the goat, the goat of all sports information. Does he, does he bring the cake on the road? No, the spice bread is phenomenal. The, yeah. spri- the spice cake is just the Lawrence and fan spice cake is. And it's is, definitely it's, a, it's, it's, it's famous.
1: It's definitely a spice cake. It's not a carrot cake.
2: I call it spice, case. spice yeah. cake. Well, I'll, I'll try it during the break. Oh my god, I'll, I'll try
1: best. it during the break and we'll see how it goes. Spice. I've had it before. Yeah, I would like some frosting. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a super pro frosting guy, but I would like some frosting.
2: Look. You is that need- greedy
1: when the, the, the SID from the other school gives you free cake? And now it's he's gone full COVID. We've got our little camera system in yeah. the background here. He actually is dropping off individual pieces of cake instead of having it as a free-for-all where, you know, in the past there's been a couple of UNLV riders who would have taken half the
2: cake. Oh, yeah, but here's the thing, uh, Steve. What a treat. In oh, in, a so normal, in a normal situation – at other places, then yes, you could say, "Hey, you know, I'd like some icing on here." But this is like going to a steakhouse, like maybe the steakhouse at Circus Circus or the Golden Steer, and then asking for ketchup. I mean, you just don't need it. It's that
1: good. Wow. Okay. I didn't know you were such a devotee to uh, Larry Fan's cake, but now we know. Lawrence, to you. I-, I wish I could bring a. I wish I could bring a slice back for you. Five o'clock hours on the way. Willie's over at the Fortress. I'm here in San Jose getting ready for the run Rebels. We're going to have the run Rebels right here on ESPN Las Vegas with running Rebel warm-up at 5.30 with John and Curtis. Of course, hockey game over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. And I just told you, the NFL game between the Rams and the Cardinals is on our uh, sister station, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Some hockey talk to Webster from AP. He's going to break down the Golden Knights, and we'll give out some final picks here before we wrap it on a Monday
0: finley toyota they'll do anything to sell you a car no toyota problem is too tough too large or too small keep your toyota running like a toyota
5: down to the goal line intended for stone tapped away stone gets it marshes out to the right petrangelo shoots he scores (laughs) tie hockey game power play goal petrangelo sixth of the year
0: You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN
3: Las Vegas.
1: Golden Knights up in two hours over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Let's see if they can get things straight here in the new year. They've well, I'll call it lost four or five. You get the overtime stuff. Danny Webster is in the booth over at the fortress along with Willie Ramirez. All right, Willie. For you, what's the biggest storyline going into this game?
2: I think the biggest storyline is can the Golden Knights uh, snap this little bit of a slump that they got going, find some offense, and stop the hottest team in the NHL, which has won 12 of its last 14. Danny, you were out at Morning Skate today. Uh, We talked about it earlier, Steve and I, in terms of what they can expect back on the ice. Um, As far as the COVID guys, the injury guys,
5: What did you see? What did you hear? What did Pete DeBoer tell us? Well, it looks like at the very least Shea Theodore, Nick Waugh, Nolan Patrick will be back in the lineup, which is a huge boost, and I I know we touched on the whole losing 4 out of 5 thing, but you gotta think, they lost 4 out of 5 without a a bunch of key names, and I just named at least 2 of them right there, probably one of your better centers right now, and, you know, your highest scoring defenseman, obviously not your best defenseman right now, but You look at the way that these guys have played, and they've been able to at least get points, even though they haven't gotten the wins to this point. Going into a game like this when, you know, all the eyes will be on Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, you need all hands on deck. And tonight, with at least those two guys back, Shea Theodore Nick Waugh, it's going to look a little bit better for the Golden Knights going into this matchup. Goaltending.
2: We always talk about who's the first one off the ice. It's our favorite subject. Right. So uh, Robin Leonard, I would assume, is going to be in net, especially after yep. certain, uh, X amount of time off. They they didn't travel to Canada. Two games were postponed, um, not on not on Golden Knights' part, but on Canada's part. Um, Robin Leonard has somewhat struggled uh, in his last several handful of starts, mm-hmm. but we know what he's capable of. Um what does he face in a team like Pittsburgh and what they bring? And how can this defense, you know, um, disrupt what Pittsburgh brings, clogging things in
5: the neutral zone, blocking the passing lanes, and helping Leonard out? It's going to be a very tough challenge just because now that Evgeny Malkin is back in the lineup, he came back in the, against the game uh, against Anaheim earlier in the week. You add one of the best players in NHL history back into your lineup and for a lineup that's already stacked with depth offensively evan rodriguez has been uh doing very well in the scoring department they get brian russ back uh, they get jason zucker back tonight so you're adding two guys right there to your lineup that are just capable of scoring at any given moment so this is going to be a game where the golden knight's going to have to pay a lot of attention to detail in the defensive zone I, I don't think they should kind of cheat in the neutral zone. They should kind of stay back and try and help out Robin Leonard as best he can because Pittsburgh has always been lethal in front of the net, and if they get one or two bodies in front in front of Robin Leonard, it's going to be a problem not only just for him but for that defense for the night. So at least getting Shea Theodore back is going to help. Uh, in that regard, you'd like to think, even though he's been out for about the last week or so, Right now, I think what you got to do, it's going to probably be another heavy night for Alex Petrangelo, and it's probably going to have to be uh, all hands on deck. And if the Golden Knights want to win this game, you got to probably see a 2-1 game, I think.
2: All right, let's look ahead. Um, the What would have been the guys going to the Olympic, um, still I guess they're calling it the Olympic break. Um, the Golden Knights are going to have some games to make up within there. Um, but when they come back, they're hoping to have Jack Eichel on the ice. You've been going to morning skates. You've been going to practices. You've seen him um, in a non-contact jersey. What have you seen? What are we hearing? And your
5: thoughts on where he joins this lineup. Man, he looks good. He, he looks good. And I know it's, it's kind of ridiculous to look at it from a non-contact perspective, but, man, he looks fun out there. Like They were they're, they're doing two-on-two drills, uh, I think it was a couple days ago, and there was a moment where Eichel kind of was right below the goal line. He's just dangling the puck around, and Petrangelo is coming up to him. He's like, we can't touch him. What are we supposed to do here? <laughs> and literally Eichel just fires it across eyes to Mark Stone. He just beats Leonard short side. It was so good. You see the skill with the stick. You see the potential that's there. Um, you know, I think the, the target month has been February i think with the way that the olympic break is kind of looked at right now we're not really sure how many games the golden knights are going to have in the month of february i've been hearing somewhere in the realm between six or seven with some with most of the games that were postponed like the colorado game the edmonton game the calgary game last week so we're probably looking at maybe seven games but there's going to be a lengthy break in between those games until we rev things back up at the end of february going into early march I keep thinking that Eichel, when he comes back, it's probably looking like... I think he would love to have that Buffalo game February 1st. I I think that would be the ideal thing. I don't think it's going to happen. I think if they are going to add six or seven games into this schedule, you're looking at possibly maybe second week of February, third week of February. And where he goes in the lineup, that's really the biggest question because... I think everybody would love to see him with stone at least we're not going to see him with patch for the time being um so you're maybe looking at possibly you know eichel dadanov stone which really isn't that bad either i think they do start him lower on the third line possibly i think you have a real benefit of moving nick wad down to the fourth line and you start eichel maybe on the third line with you know matthias yanmark maybe maybe you can put Nick Wa on the wing instead of he Colesar and move Colesar down to the fourth line you can do that too um but I do think we start to see him in a middle six role and then as things start to rev up especially if patch already does come back before the uh before the season is up then you start to put those three together and see what you get but I think third line is a good start for him especially where this roster is lineup wise
2: when jack eichel comes back they're going to have to answer some salary cap issues he's on the ir right now it's not counting against them they got a couple of unrestricted free agents uh that'll be coming up in riley smith braden mcnab um they've got other guys that are carrying some salary um what do you feel is expendable or who do you feel is expendable what do you feel makes most sense what can they afford to do? Um, we've seen these guys cutthroat. They don't care in terms of star power. Uh, who 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 has to go?
5: What do you think will take place? That's really. I think when when the trade for Eichel happened, I think everybody who was in that that tier of guys that are expendable, they the eyes were on them, and the two guys that you know have come up most obviously have been Riley Smith, Braden McNabb. Now I think both of them have played their way to at least being in the safe area before the trade deadline. I don't know if that means they're going to eventually move on from one of them. I think obviously if you can move on from Riley Smith's $5 million cap hit, you're looking at a pretty good situation right there. I think if they really wanted to get risky, you keep you keep Pacioretty and you keep Martinez on LTIR. You kucharov them for the for the rest of the season, and then bring them back for Game One of the playoffs. If you want to do that, I don't know if this team wants to do that. We we haven't seen them put it in this situation. I think if you really want to make things a little bit easier, Riley Smith is the guy. And I know that's not what a lot of people want to hear, but he is a lot easier to shelve off five million dollars bring a draft pick in do a straight cap dump do whatever you want to do and kind of just cut your ties and at least have some wiggle room left to go so one of the things that you and i have talked about
2: <clears throat> on press road not too long ago was one of the topics every time we see something with max patch is man this guy gets injured a lot mm-hmm. and so riley smith has been mr durable since year one gerard gallant loved him one point called him the smartest player on the team. Uh, Peter DeBoer has alluded to him being somewhat the underlying MVP of the team. Um, Moving on from Max Pacioretty, would it be a bad thing? And you brought up a point in terms of, you know, you think, I believe it was you that I was talking to, you think that he's been injured a lot, but when you look at the games missed, it's not as much as you think.
5: Yeah, I mean, you look at it and it seems like, going back to his first year you know there was that stretch in december where i think i think he maybe missed like maybe 10 11 games and then what was it the next year which was the year leading up to the bubble he played every game or at least he missed just one game and then you look at last year with the shortened season he gets that injury but you really didn't need him until you got back to the playoffs and and unfortunately for them, it took all the way to game seven where he scored the game winning goal. So it works out. I think in terms of if Max Pacioretty is an option, you need to be sure that you have someone ready to score goals. Because if you take him out, Jonathan Marshall becomes your top goal scorer. And I don't know. It, it, it's not a bad idea to have Jonathan Marshall be your top goal scorer. He can't be your only Goal scorer, and especially since you don't know what you're going to get from Jack Eichel when he returns to the lineup. And explain to people real quick because
2: when when that's come up in conversation in terms of well, moving on from goal scoring, you
5: go, well, I thought this Jack Eichel was a superstar. Jack Eichel makes things happen. Oh yeah, absolutely, right. and he scores goal like he is a capable goal scorer. Like the year the year leading before the season pause, I think he had 38 goals, 39 goals. He was the driver of offense in buffalo when there was absolutely nobody in buffalo that could score goals so eichel is very much capable of doing that you don't want to put the onus on him when his main objective is to be the primary playmaker on a top line that drives offense so like i mentioned before you can have eichel being a top line guy with stone and eventually with you know, Pacioretty, if you were to take Pacioretty out and leave Dadinov in, is it a good line? Yeah, but you want those three all on that line together. So, Eichel, can he score? Yes. Is he going to score 35, 40 goals on this team? We don't know yet. So that's the biggest question that they to consider before the trade deadline.
2: Alright, we're talking to Danny Webster, NHL.com, also with AP. Uh, Danny, last question for you. With Pittsburgh, uh, you talked earlier what they need to do what do you see taking place as far as how hot Pittsburgh has
5: been? Has
2: this rest benefited Vegas? Give me your thoughts on tonight's game. One final wrap before we uh, say goodbye. I, th-
5: I think the rest is going to benefit them greatly. I, th- I think any time you can get a, you know a five-six day layoff, it's gonna it's gonna benefit you greatly. I think they're gonna come out inspired, knowing that the op- that the opponent on the ice with them. And I'm gonna say it is gonna be a three-two Vegas final.
1: Danny, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Steve. Thank you. There he is, Danny Webster, covering the Golden Knights, along with Willie Ramirez. Willie and Danny are both hanging out in the Deportes booth at the Fortress. All right, we are about 19 minutes away from running Rebel warm-up. We'll get to a little bit of the UNLV game here in just a second. Again, big news of the day. Mike Mayock is out as the GM with the Raiders and We've gone round and round on what's going to happen to Rich Basaccia. You know, something light to mention, Willie, was the fact that Basaccia was photographed writing thank you notes. Always a very controversial issue on Cofield and company. We know that we have a couple of guys who are real sour on the show who won't lift a finger for anyone else. Well, they also believe it's that it could be a disingenuous gesture? I don't believe that. If you get a thank you note, it's a very nice thing. Where are you on thank you notes?
2: In terms of this Basaccia deal or just in general?
1: In general. Would you do it?
2: I think you would. Yeah, I, I'm a, I mean, you know, before. Was email and text messaging and and all, all this—I mean, electronic, different types of communication. I was definitely at—I have my own personalized stationery with, you know, when I Ooh. first started the business with little, you know, with the W on it, and I hand wrote, uh, wrote notes. I mean, it's absolutely, I believe it's—it's it's common courtesy. Um, It's—it shows a sense of genuinity. It's—it's—it's it's, it's, you know—it's kindness. And I think that it shows a sense of appreciation, no matter what level you're on. Whether you're thinking for something that they did for you, or you're just thinking for somebody, thanking somebody for their their effort, their appreciation, uh, your appreciation toward them. So I, I mean, it's it's not a bad thing. Um, in terms of a picture that went viral, we got a little more clarity on that today from Rich Pasaccia's press conference. So
1: on the picture itself, what was the clarity?
2: well the clarity was that somebody asked him you know that that this picture went viral exactly what was the, the story behind it and he said he was in his room he's done this every year all the way going back to being a young coach
1: oh he has okay yes
2: he's always done this um, whether it's one or two guys specific guys the entire whatever key guys key uh, guys that suited up started whatever it may be so he had been doing it throughout the week and he was finishing them up in his hotel room and his daughter took the picture. His daughter then put it on her personal Facebook page. Someone grabbed it and it just went on and on and he said, now we're that's why we're addressing it. He said, I wish it wouldn't have gotten out the way that it did. That that comment kind of stuck with me and the fact that he said, I wish it wouldn't have gotten out the way that it would. Does that mean that you wish it would have gotten out in general? Um, was it, because the original thought process for a lot of us was who took this picture and why did it go viral what are you trying to say you know are you trying to show the type of coach that you are the the person the personal relationships you have with with the team what exactly is it a pr stunt but as it turned out he explained and i and you know what steve considering this guy considering how people go to bathroom and considering considering how Sort of genuine he's been. I believe every word of it. I believe that his daughter was there. I believe that she probably said, "This is you know." She, he said it was a proud daughter moment. He put she put it up there very proud. Said he loves his daughter. It, it it's just not the way that he expected it. He didn't it, in any way, shape, or form. It was on her personal, private Facebook page, and some people just you know they can't respect that. So they put it out there. Thinking, oh look at this! This is cool, and then it just goes viral. And of course, it takes a course of its own. It's like whispering in one ear, and by the time, you know, then that person whispers to the next person. They whisper. To the, by the time it gets to the tenth person, the, the initiative of the, of the the original, whatever was said, is completely different, taken out of context.
1: You know, going back to the last hour when we were talking about how they're going to handle the Versace situation, I, I think it is important how they handle it. Listen, is it the biggest news that's going to break around the NFL? No, but. I do think the way you treat people as an organization does spread, you know, in the inner circles around the league. So I hope the Raiders treat him right, and I know you hope they treat him right.
2: Yeah, I think he deserves every – I mean, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't – you know, he did – every. if anything, he did everything right. And I don't mean coaching decisions. I don't mean specific play calling or or decisions on the field. What I'm talking about is how he handled – a very tumultuous situation that lasted all year, all season. Not just one incident either. He didn't just take over for John Gruden in a heated situation. He then had to deal with some other issues and it just carried on. You know what I mean? There were three outstanding, you know, um and I say that meaning that stood out incidents that as the interim head coach, he had to answer for, it. and I thought that he did it very well. I thought that he came in; he was very meticulous. Here, you know, the other reason why I believe everything he said about the thank you notes is because this dude came in with prepared statements every single time after a game. He'd pull out notes, like he jotted down notes to come in after a game, with win or lose. He was very, very prepared guy. So, I think he did everything humanly possible. I think he has a genuine care for what he does, for the players he coaches, for the staff that he leads, and I think that he deserves an interview and I think that if it doesn't happen I think he deserves a shot or an opportunity to at least be offered to stay aboard or be considered to stay aboard, and if it if none of that happens, then he deserves an interview elsewhere. Willie, before we get out of here, did you want to mention... The bird of the greatest, the greatest—not just the greatest by nickname, but the greatest athlete of all time, Muhammad Ali. Yes. And they finally celebrated. You know, they created a Muhammad Ali Day in Chicago, Illinois. So they're so they're celebrating him along with Dr. Martin Luther King. But yes, um, met Muhammad Ali several times as a little boy. He was all over the place in this town. Loved Las Vegas. All the where'd you meet team. him? Caesars, mostly. I'd always, He'd always be at the Caesars Pavilion, or I'd nice. see him at sporting events around town. You know, But I, I would go to the Caesars Pavilion, which was behind the original hotel, and all the workouts. I've told this story about Larry Holmes, going to see Larry Holmes work out before he became the heavyweight champion, and he signed my very first original autograph book, and he signed it, the future heavyweight champ, Larry Holmes. That was before Ernie Savers and Ken Norton fight. But I've seen Muhammad Ali used to hang out Uh, He'd be there, and he just would be at random places, too. Random sporting events, Rebel games at the Rotunda, fights in town. Um, And he just was all – he loved kids, and he loved his fans. He loved shaking hands, and he just – he was always playful. The same way you'd see him being playful with Howard Cosell, you know, during interviews or Wide World of Sports where he would grab Howard Cosell like he was going to give him a punch or something. He would do that with kids and take pictures and – uh yeah no i mean just he, was the,
1: he was the rare superstar athlete who really wanted to be amongst the people and that's not
2: bad mouthing anyone else he just had a gift he did and he had an electric personality he had an intoxicating um way about him and that you were just drawn to yep. and uh and, you know, and
1: and you know you the word aura is reserved for certain people when muhammad ali was in a room but you knew he was in a room. I don't know what it was, but you knew it because people gravitated to him, and there's only a few athletes in the history of, you know, all of this who have
2: drawn that that kind of attention. Special guy. And you know what? Here's the thing. Um, I could name other players that – other athletes that probably have that aura, such as a Michael Jordan, such as a Magic Johnson, uh, you know – Football, I, I, I guess there's, I mean, you'd have to reach back. And it, I think football is different where you'd have to pinpoint your favorite players. But they those types of players in that era and on also carried somewhat of an arrogance about them. And I say that because they were the stars of their team. So they led a group of men. They led a group of players. And they were the star. Muhammad Ali was a star in his own right. Didn't have to lead anybody. But he never really, among his fans, I never sensed it. I never saw it where he carried a sense of arrogance. As you said, he was a man of the people, and anyway, today would have been his birthday. It is his birthday. We celebrate him as well. Rebel game coming up.
1: Rebel warm-up up in about nine minutes. The number has not moved. So San Jose State is catching eight in this one, which is a little bit surprising considering the way the Spartans have played the last couple of times out lost by 36 against Colorado State I'm not saying this UNLV team is playing like Colorado State right now also lost by 20 against Fresno State I expect to see a very motivated rebel team I don't think Kevin Kruger was happy at all with the play at the end of the first half and for about the first 10 minutes of the second half against Fresno State. So I think you see a focus team, and that's always the test here because it's not going to be a big crowd. It's a weird venue at San Jose State. So stick around. Game's coming up. Willie, thank you. Enjoy the hockey game tonight. We've got running Rebel basketball coming up right here on ESPN Las Vegas, just a few minutes away from John and Curtis getting ready for the game.